chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 was written to a group of Christians that were suffering and going through troubles and difficulties, persecutions. And the, uh, the whole book really uh, spends a lot of time dealing with that suffering and how, how, to, how to respond and the fact that the Lord Jesus suffered for us and so forth. But there's another, another theme that runs through the book of 1 Peter. And the, the theme basically is this. We, as God's people, are different. And all God's people said we're different. We're just different. Uh, now, and I don't mean weirdo different, although there are a few of those out there. But uh, we're we're just different because, well, first of all, before we got saved, we were dead in trespasses and sins. The day you trusted Christ as Savior, you became alive for the first time in your life spiritually, and so you went from death to life. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His His dear Son. Uh, there's just so much that's, that's, that's happened that, that causes us to be different. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. Let's all stand together and look with me. First Peter chapter two, two verses, verses nine and 10. We'll read them and then uh, get right into the message. You read along silently as I read aloud first Peter chapter two and verse, verse nine. It says, but ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that, that uh, ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're thankful tonight for that mercy that we've obtained through Jesus Christ, one of the things that makes us different and makes us peculiar is the fact that we've had that mercy bestowed on us. As we looked at this morning, we've been greatly forgiven, and we thank you for that. We pray, Lord, that tonight you'd help us to focus on the fact that we're different, that we're, we're a peculiar people, and uh, Lord, help us to see how we need to allow those peculiarities to stick out so we can be a testimony for Jesus Christ in this world. We pray, Father, your blessings upon this time together in your word. We ask God that you'd, you'd speak to us through your word and by your spirit. And Lord, as you do, that we, we would respond to you and say yes, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. According to this passage of scripture, we, we have a purpose. In verse 9, the Bible says that our purpose is to show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Uh, we used to be children of darkness. We're not children of darkness anymore. We're children of light. So, because we are children of light, we ought to be different. We ought to act different. We ought to look different. We ought to think differently than we did before we trusted Christ as Savior. And we, we show forth those praises of God. You know, we, we have testimonies, and we, we had a couple of them tonight. And, and uh, 
that's just simply giving praise to, to him for what he's done for us. But the truth of the matter is our life ought to be a testimony. Our life ought to give praise unto the fact that God is our God and that he's made a change and he's made a difference in us. In verse, uh, in verse 9, it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. And then it goes right on and says, That ye show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The way that we show forth those praises is by being a peculiar people. Now, peculiar doesn't mean weird. <laughs> Okay, it doesn't mean strange. It doesn't mean doesn't mean that you're goofy. Uh, peculiar just simply means to stand apart from others. It means to be exclusive. It means to be unique. It mean, means to be special. Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen says, "If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new." And, and when that change takes place, those that know us look at us and say, whoa, that's, that's different. That's not what he, he or she used to be. That's peculiar. And those, that, that, that peculiarity is what God uses to show forth his, the praise of him. Um, Israel was like that. Israel was a peculiar people. Um, they stood out in the world and in society. Uh, God, God gave them a set of rules. He gave them a set of regulations. He gave them the law. Uh, they were different than the heathen nations that were around them. And they, and as I said, they stuck out. They had a, a special lifestyle that caused them to set to be set apart. First uh, Peter chapter four, just turn over probably a page or so in your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 4. Look at me in the first four verses. It says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the, the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the, the time past of our life Many uh, suffice us may suffice us to to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, uh, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. In other words. Christ has made change, and because he's made change, you don't do the things that you used to do. There's a song that, uh, that, uh, that we sing from time to time, is the things I used to do, don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. The things I used to wear, don't wear them anymore. The things I used to see, don't, I don't see them anymore. Uh, the idea is, is that our behavior has, has changed because of Jesus Christ. He's made a difference to us, and that's a testimony. That's a real testimony to the world. Uh, it, it, according to 1 Peter 4, though, uh, people look at you and they say, man, he's strange. He's, he's strange. Don't be afraid of the world thinking you're strange. If, if you've got the mindset, I want the world to accept me, you're going to have a problem. You're going to compromise. 
you're not going to you're not going to stick out for Jesus Christ. Uh, you're you're going to you're going to uh, back off from being the kind of Christian that God wants you to be, because they will not understand. You know, I was, I was explaining this here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you try to explain Christian standards to a lost person, they're not going to get it. Don't expect them to get it. They're not saved. Uh, you you explain to them what you do and why you do it and so forth. They're not gonna, they're not going to understand those things. And the reason why they're not going to understand those things is because they're not saved, and you are. They're gonna think you strange. You want them to think you for the right reasons, okay? But you want them to think you're peculiar. You want them to think you're strange because that means that you're living for Christ, and they can see the obvious differences. And that's a good thing. Our lives ought to be different from the lost. It should be as different as night and day. And they ought to be able to see it in, in various areas. There's four areas, if you go back with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. There's four areas that God points out where our peculiarity, our differences, ought to stick out. The first one is found in verse 11. It says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. First area where we ought to stick out is purity. God's people ought to be pure. God's people ought to not wallow in the muck, in the mire, in the garbage of this world. Um, we, we need to be careful about what we watch. We need to be careful what we listen to. Um, when, after I got saved, and it was a slow process, but after I got saved, one of the things that changed in my life was my music standards. And uh, when, when I got saved, I had, I, had, I had a bunch of music. I had, I had what they call record albums. I know, I know most of you don't know what those were, but uh, record albums. And uh, uh, I had, oh, gee, I must have had... I must have had at least, I had at least 100 albums, and many of those albums are double albums, so I probably had 115 or 120 different, different records. And I'm talking about at 17 years old. I mean, that's just one of the things I love to do. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed secular worldly music. But after I got saved, I started looking at the words and I started looking at the music and the effect that the music had on me, not just the words, but the music itself. And I said, you know what? This isn't right. This isn't good. And you start, you start making a difference uh, because it's not, it's not pure. You know, you go to uh, Philippians chapter four and it gives a list of things that we ought to think. Think on these things, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things be of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And you go down through modern music, and I'm talking about modern music in the 60s. Modern music in the 60s is totally different than what, you, what you're hearing today. Now, it wasn't good then, and it's horrible now. But, but, but uh, when you get saved, and if you start paying attention to that purity principle, uh, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna realize. Wait a minute, something's got to change. I can't be feeding myself this kind of stuff. And uh, notice the terminology that that God uses in verse 11. He says, "Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. It's a war. 
I mean, you know, they're attacking you. Uh, they're attacking our young people. Uh, if you haven't already uh, picked up, if you haven't already picked up a uh, uh, a Friday Church News Notes, you need to do so, and particularly read that read that uh, article about Marvel superheroes. Uh, as I said, they're not the Marvel superheroes that I grew up with, and I'm not saying that they were great even back then. Uh, it's amazing, though. Uh, you look at some of those old comics, and, and I, re I remember this after I got saved. Uh, I used to enjoy, enjoy comics, too. And uh, uh, one of the things I noticed as I started un uh, getting familiar with the Bible, I found that in a lot of these comics, particularly the ones, it's funny, I'd like to know a little bit more about his background, but Stan Lee who is uh, one of the chief proponents uh, and the, uh, the creators of, of really the Marvel Universe, um, he must have had a Bible background somewhere because there are all kinds of references uh, to scripture and scriptural phrases uh, in, his, in his comic, at least when he was involved with it. And uh, uh, be careful of that stuff. I mean, just... You know, we, we need to realize that stuff is warring against our soul. It's not doing us, not doing us any favors. It, it, uh, it used to be common for Christians to be called prudes. And, and, that, and honestly, when, when we were called prudes, that was supposed to be, I mean, from our standpoint, that should be a compliment. Today, if a Christian is called a prude, they, they get ashamed. You should never be ashamed of being called that. Don't ever be ashamed of being called innocent or stupid about the things of this world. Uh, we ought to be simple concerning evil and wise concerning that which is good. We need to protect our thoughts and watch our dress and watch our speech. Watch the things that we, that we, uh, that we, that we take into our body. Uh, Im immorality among Christians used to be very uncommon and it should still be very uncommon why because we are a peculiar people we're supposed to be different from that and the lord uh, has made some changes in us and we ought to be different uh we 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 should we, we should take purity very very seriously uh, one of the one of the the um phrases that uh, I used to use years ago, and I, I still use it from time to time, is when it comes to your purity, when it comes to your thoughts, when it comes to your actions, when it comes to your dress, when it comes to your daily habits, you ought to be, as a Christian, squeaky clean. You ought to be so clean in those areas that you squeak when you walk. Uh, you just ought to be, you ought to be different, and we ought to be different in the area of purity. Um, I, I love it, uh, and we've, we've had this, I've seen this in our church over and over and over again, time and time and time again. Um, I've, I've watched kids grow up in this church, uh, stay pure in this church, and when they get married, they marry pure in this church. I love that. That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, purity ought to be something that we put as a premium and we put as a goal in our personal lives. Second area where we ought to be peculiar 
is in the area of good works. Look down in verse 12. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. He says, just the things that you do, the works that you do, uh, ought to make you stand out. You ought to be the kindest person at work. If you're in an unsafe family, you ought to be the, the kindest and most considerate person in your family. Uh, they ought to, to see how you do good work so that uh, they may see your good works, according to what Jesus said our, about our light shining, so they might see your good works and then glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Not so we can get a pat on the back, but so they can see that Jesus Christ makes a difference in our lives. Now, again, a person is not saved by good works. Good works have absolutely nothing to do with a person getting saved. But once a person is saved, the Bible says in Ephesians 2 that we're his workmanship created unto good works by Christ Jesus. In other words, now that we are saved and we are his workmanship, we ought to be doing good works. We ought to be doing good deeds. We ought to be a blessing to people. Um, you know, uh, uh, testimony was given by Rick, uh, Nick here just a moment ago. And uh, he talked about how that uh, Pastor King spoke to him. And he spoke to him here at church. You know, one of the reasons why we come to church is to exhort one another. That's a good work. Be a blessing to one another. Uh, some folks, some of you folks have had a rough week. Some of you folks have gotten a lot of blessings. Uh, there are this last week. Uh, and you're encouraged. All right, take your encouragement and pass it on to somebody else. Uh, you find somebody who has had an encouraging week and you have not had an encouraging week, but they tell you about their encouraging week. Rejoice with them. You know, uh, get excited for them. Uh, because because the tide will turn for you and you'll have an encouraging week and they won't. Uh, we need to be a blessing one to another. Take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. In Galatians chapter 6, Look with me, beginning in verse 7. It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. That's talking about doing good works. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Notice verse 10. It says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. In other words, every time you got an opportunity to do something, just to be a blessing, uh, be a blessing. Look for opportunities. Ask God for opportunities to make you a blessing because that causes you to stick out and they see your good works and they'll see that Jesus Christ has made a, a change and a difference in your life. But notice what the rest of the verse says. It says, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. He said, he said, listen, lost or saved, you ought to be a blessing to folks, but you especially ought to look to be an encouragement 
and to be a blessing to those that, that are saved. Jesus said this to the disciples. He said, they'll know uh, by, uh, uh, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, that ye have love one toward another. Um, there was a song that we used to sing years ago. They will know we are Christians by our what? Love, by our love. In other words, because we love one another. One of, uh, there, was a, there was a time when, when Joel and I made a call, and we, uh, it was somebody that attended another Bible-believing church, and they, they came and visited our church. We went by and visited them. And one of the things, and this was years ago, one of the things that they said was, they said, you know, your church is different. And I'm thinking, oh, here it comes. <laughs> you know, yeah, we're different, all right. And, and this is what he said. He says, you're different because, he says, it's obvious the folks at Freedom Baptist Church love one another. Wow. Wow. I mean, just because we had that then doesn't mean we have that now. We have to work at that and maintain that and keep that. But honestly, folks, that's the testimony we want to have. We want to have a testimony that we care for one another and we care for, for people in general. And that's seen by our good works. You should know, be known by your deeds of kindness. You should be known by your good works. Then if you go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, there's another area where we ought to be peculiar. And boy, I'll tell you, this is, this is more so today than it was 30, 40 years ago. Uh, and, and it seems like every year, this, this, if, you, if you will obey this, you will stick out more and more all the time. Look down in verses uh, 13 through 18. It says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto the governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a, a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. And again, going back to verse 13, and this whole thing has to do with authority and human authorities that are in our lives. And in verse 13, it says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. You're not doing it for the government's sake. You're not doing it for your employer's sake. You're not doing it for the law's sake. You're doing it for the Lord's sake. So that people can see that you're peculiar. Um, this has to do with being obedient to human authority. There ought to be a difference between the way a Christian obeys the law and the way a lost person obeys the law. Um, there ought to be a difference in the way lost people respond to authorities at work and the way that you respond to authorities at work. Uh, you ought to have the best attitude in the whole workplace. Uh, you know, if there's another Christian, okay, then you and that other Christian ought to have the best attitudes. 
But the idea is, is that you ought to stick out. And by the way, you know what? If you, if you have an attitude that, listen, I am going to be respectful, I am going to honor, and I'm going to obey my human authority, and I'm, I'm not going to question everything that they say, and, uh, and when I'm told to do something, I'm going to do it. If that's your attitude, you know, that, that attitude has always stuck out, but it sticks out more today than ever before. I mean, you know, I, I, I've, I've actually heard it and I've seen it. I, I've, I've heard and seen people say, well, listen, who do you think you are? Talking to their boss at work. Who do you think you are? Well, they're your boss. <laughs> you know, uh, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, then you might not have a job. Uh, that's not the attitude that a Christian ought to have. We ought to have a submissive attitude. And, and again, that's more than... That, yes, it's doing what you're told to do, no doubt about it, okay? But it's more than that. It's also having a submissive attitude toward those authorities. And God says when you, when you have that, that kind of attitude, it's, it's for the Lord. Uh, it, you know, if, 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 you don't, if you don't like your job, there's some folks that all they do is complain and complain and complain about the job they have. As a Christian, if you don't like your job, you got two options. Number one is to leave and be quiet, or number two is to stay and be quiet, <laughs> okay? Those are, those are the two options that you have. And then it, it goes down to, uh, it, it, goes, it, it really, it goes down to, to wives and husbands, it goes to children and parents, and you know, when, when those relationships are, are done properly and, and have a submissive attitude, wives are submissive to their husbands, children are submissive to their parents. Listen, that sticks out in this society. That is not the norm. It's just not the norm. And uh, I, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of testimonies I've heard from some of you folks. When you have taken your, your children to public places like a restaurant, I was listening to one, one grandparent here just recently talking about taking the grandkids to a restaurant. And the uh, waitress came over and commented on, on how respectful and how good the kids behaved. Well, that, that ought to be the norm for Christian people. That ought to be the norm. Why? You want to, you want to, to uh, uh, encourage that submissive attitude toward authority. In case you haven't noticed, there's not very much of that running around today out, out in the world. It's just not there. And when you have it, you have a good spirit and a good attitude toward those that are in authority, then uh, you stick out. And the, the last area is found in verses 19 through 21. It says, for this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what, what glory is it when he be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. In other words, you do something wrong and you get rewarded for your wrong behavior uh, and you take it patiently, that's no big deal. But if when you do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. 
what he's talking about there is is how do you go through suffering? And you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it uh, immense suffering, but our lives have been turned upside down a year ago uh, when this COVID thing hit. And uh, honestly, some of us have taken it admirably. Some of us have done a lot of griping and complaining during that time. Um, can people see a difference between the way you handled COVID and the way lost people handled COVID? There ought to be a difference. I'm not even talking about the safety area there at all. I'm just talking about the inconvenience uh, and the, you know, the, the, uh, the irritability factor. There ought to be a difference. Uh, pressure, trouble, sickness, problems at home, problems at work. Listen, you're going to have them. They're, they're going to be there. But how do you respond to those things? Do you respond to those things in a way that is honoring to God? Or do you respond in such a way that it, it really is dishonoring to God. Can you see, can people look at you and say, whoa, they're different. Wow. Um, I can remember uh, talking to, to one of our men uh, some time ago and um, talking about how he spoke of his wife at work and how the other guys spoke of their wife at work. And a lot of these, a lot of those guys that he worked with thought, well, man, he must be married to an angel. Well, he probably is, you know, but uh, the truth of the matter is he's just responding differently. And that, that difference in response and that difference in heart and attitude is what really sticks out in the world today. Uh, Paul and Silas were in the jail at Philippi. If you read through that account, you find out that they were, they were thrown in jail because of their stand for Christ. They were thrown in jail because they, they had been witnessing. And uh, uh, they were not only thrown in jail, but they were whipped. They were beaten. And at midnight, it says, they sang praises to God. I, here they are, blood running down their back. And they've got open wounds on, on, their, on their back because of the whipping. And they're singing praises to God. Now, don't you know that jailer saw the difference? You know, when the, when, when the whole thing took place and the earthquake took place and so on, uh, the jailer jumped in and he got down on his face before Paul and Silas and said, you know, and, and, and uh, said, what must I do to be saved? Uh, why did he do that? He saw they had something he didn't have. He had full health, he hadn't been whipped, he had a comfortable life, and yet they were more joyous after the whippings than he was. In other words, they, he saw how they suffered. We ought to suffer different. We ought to suffer any, any time we go through any kind of suffering, whether it you know, be because of our Christian behavior, it just could be because of life. Life, you know, trouble comes. Uh, how do you suffer? How do you take those things? There ought to be a difference. And one of the things that the Bible talks about and makes it very, very clear is that we ought to take it patiently. Patiently. And in other words, we don't get all uptight. 
uh, we, we just, we take it and we take it patiently. And we understand that suffering is a part of life. If you, if, if, uh, you, do, if you do wrong, you're going to suffer for it. We ought to take it patiently. If you do right and you suffer for it, you ought to take it patiently. Um, regardless whether whether you're you're doing right or doing wrong, or maybe you're not doing either one, maybe it's not for either reason, but you just have the sufferings of life. When you take it patiently, God, God not only do individuals see it, but God sees it and God takes notice of it. But it's a testimony. We're living in a world that's that's sinful. We're living in a world that's wicked, um, and it should be easy. To pick out a Christian. You should stand out in a crowd. Um, you go to uh, the, the second and third chapter of the book of uh, Revelation. And in those two chapters, uh, the Lord addresses seven churches. And there, there's, there's seven churches of Asia. And the last church is called the church of Laodicea. Now, remember, okay, and don't ever forget this. In every one of those cases, he's talking to a church, and there's an angel at that church. That means we're not talking lost foot. We're not talking about the mainline denominational stuff going on. We're talking about saved people in a local assembly. And one of those churches, the last church, which I believe correlates with the age that we're living in today, is the Laodicean church. And, and uh, he, he, he says this about him. He says, you're not either hot nor cold. He says, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm, and I just spew you out of my mouth. In other words, a, a lukewarm Christian makes God ill. Why is that? Because when the lost look at us, when we're in that state, they can't tell the difference. They, can't, they, they don't see any peculiarities at all. We're trying to appease uh, the, the, the hot side. We're trying to appease the cold side. We end up right in the middle. We end up being lukewarm. Um, God says that, that that kind of behavior uh, in among his children uh, makes him sick, causes him want, to want to spew us out of his mouth. Uh, one of the things that, however, has been a, a blessing to me, I, you know, you see, it's, it's hardly a, there's hardly a week goes by when I don't hear about some church or some group of people that used to be serving God fervently and now have drifted off. I hate it. I, I absolutely hate it when I see these churches go into emerging church mode. You know, they, they take on the worldly music and they take on the worldly, and you can go to a lot of them, you can go to their website and you can figure it out. I mean, almost immediately, you can just tell it, you can see it. They're trying to be just like the world. But there are still people and there are still churches that are trying to hold a standard and are trying to be different and trying to be peculiar and for the right reason. So they can be a testimony to Christ. A God, something God has always had across the ages. It's true in the Old Testament. It's true in the New Testament. He's always had a remnant. 
He's always had a remnant. And I believe, I, I believe as you get closer to the Lord Jesus coming back to get us, I believe that remnant is going to shrink. I think it's going to be smaller and smaller. But you're going to have a remnant. You know what my desire is? And I hope this is your desire too. I want to be a part of that remnant. I want to be a part of that part, that, that, those folks who stick out. And by the way, the remnant is never a majority. Never a majority. Uh, you know, when the, when the 12 spies went into the land to, to spy out Canaan, they came back and says, oh man, we can't do it. But Joshua and Caleb said, oh yeah, we can. Because we've got God. And, and God can, can give us the, the victory. God can win the battles for us. Well, it was 10 against 2. But guess what? The majority was wrong. They were dead wrong. But the two were right. The, the blessing is, is that those are the only two guys in their families that God allowed to make it through that generation. In 40 years, everybody else died out. But they, they made it through, and they ended up going to and seeing and having a part in the promised land. And I want to be part of that remnant. I want to be part of that. But in order to be part of that, we have to be peculiar. We have to be peculiar in purity. And that purity be warred against. There's a war out there trying to get your thoughts and get your mind and get your heart. Purity is an area we need to be peculiar in. Good works. It ought to stick out that we respond to people differently than others do. Uh, response to authority. You know, you gripe and you complain, you're no different than the rest of the world are. And then the last thing is suffering. Uh, whether it's, again, whether it's because of sin or whether it's because of, of taking a stand for right or whether it's just because of life. How do you suffer? In the areas of, of purity, good works, response to authority and suffering, are you peculiar? Let's bow our heads for prayer.